Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. You're listening to the Visibly Fit Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Wendy Pett. And every week, I'll give you holistic, practical solutions for everyday issues related to nutrition, healing, functional fitness, and behavior modifications. As a naturopath, fitness expert, and wellness coach for over 20 years, my goal is to empower you to reach for greater health and to rise up to your next level of living in mind, body, and spirit. You were created with greatness in mind. It's time to own it. Are you with me? Then let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Visibly Fit. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. You know, Visibly Fit is about being fit mind, body, and spirit. And we're going to be tapping a little bit more of the soul spirit aspect today. But, you know, we live in a world that is more inward focused than ever. It's a world that encourages us to just slap on a superhero cape and, you know, take care of whatever needs to be taken care of in our own strength. People are deceived into thinking that, you know, we don't need anyone or even the Lord for that matter. It's a DIY, a do-it-yourself generation gone off the deep end. Now, if you've ever seen those memes that show people actually attempting real DIY do-it-yourself projects and they turn out disastrous, it usually reads, nailed it. You know, they have a picture of the perfect project and then the one that you attempted. Yeah, it didn't look so good. Well, today on Visibly Fit, my guest is one of my favorite authors and she is a precious dear Friend. She will encourage you to take that superhero cape off because it's an illusion anyway, and instead allow the supernatural to give you the strength when you are humbly weak. Yes, the humble will prevail, and she'll talk a little bit more about that. Jesus gives the strength to fight battles victoriously and to always be battle ready. Jesus is our super power. Now, Susie Larson is incredible. She is a national speaker. She's a best-selling author. She's a prolific uh, writer. I mean, she really is of 18 books. And she is the host of the daily talk show, Susie Larson Live, which is heard on Faith Radio Network. And it's, gosh, 2.3 million downloads. Susie, like I said, she's written over 18 books, but she's been a guest on Focus on the Family, Life Today. And she has been on many other media outlets outlets, but she was voted twice as top 10 finalist for the John C. Maxwell Transformational Leadership Award. And she's also a veteran in the fitness field. Yes, I love that. Susie has been married to her dear husband, Kevin, for 37 years. Yes, since 1985. She's got three sons, three daughters-in-law, three precious grandchildren, and a pit bull named Memphis. <laughs> Susie's passion is to see people everywhere awaken to the uh, the value of their soul, the depth of God's love, and the height of their calling in Christ Jesus. So welcome, welcome to Visibly Fit, my dear friend, Susie. How are you? I am so well, and I, you, I just love you. I want to thank you for having me today. Good to be with you. Oh my gosh, I love you too, dear. And I am so um, excited about your new book, and that's why we have you on today as well. But 
Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail. First of all, it's a, it's a gorgeous cover. Absolutely stunning. And you and had something to do with that. Thank you very I voted. Much. I voted. My <laughs> vote won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. But not only is it gorgeous, it is just chocked full of just nuggets and truth. And I know that God just downloaded this in you because when before the interview here, you had said that this was a time where you weren't like feeling it, you know, as far as health wise. Let's talk a little bit about that and how you got into uh, writing Strong in Battle. Well, you know, I've been on your show before and I don't expect everybody to remember, but when I was a young mom during a bed rest, a pregnancy bed rest, I was allowed to get up one day just to see if I'd be okay and met my old college roommates for a walk. It was a fall day in a small Minnesota town. Long story short, two weeks from that outing, my face started to go numb. Long story short, uh, I ended up with neurological Lyme disease that ravaged my health, and it's been a long, hard battle. In those early years, I would say it was intense for about six, seven years, but I'm a fitness person, and I just know movement really is profoundly important, and so I just grabbed the bull by the horns and thought, whatever I can do, if my body's going to give me an inch, I'm taking it a mile. And I will tell you, Wendy, back then even, years after, one of my, my the infectious disease doctor that I worked with, he said, of all the Lyme patients he treated, he says he had seven who were there, the sickest, and I was in the, like, the top two. And he said, um, two of us out of seven are still moving and up and around today. And the only common denominator, which means the others were in wheelchairs, bed bound, and all those just incapacitated. The only common denominator, he said, was movement, that mm. we didn't stop moving. So I, I got back into teaching aerobics, but I, it cost me a lot. I mean, I, I, you know, I just, everything was harder for me, but along this story, was like 30 years ago. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. And I just found a way to do workarounds. And there's so much, it, that's why I love your show is so important because there's so much that we actually can do to contribute to health. Yes. Even if you feel like you've got the force of the pal against you. And then about seven years ago, I had a pretty massive relapse and it's too long of a story to tell here, but I've been working my way back from there. But people with chronic Lyme also uh, can have a, a mold a deficient gene where you can't process mold. And when there's a trauma, it almost like the gene expresses itself. And what ha I had an exposure, a pretty bad exposure, and it attacked my brain. So as a live TV you know, radio host and an author, suddenly I couldn't spell words. My tongue was going numb. My head was going numb. My vision was blurring. And, wow. you know, I've been on with you and your hubby Todd on your other yes, show. On and your I, biggest I, breakthrough. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, I asked if we could re-record it because I was so in the fire and hurting so bad because the symptoms were so off the chart. All that to say, when I was writing Strong in Battle, I was in a neurological firestorm, massive numbing and pricklies and, and vision blurring. Mm. I mean, I wrote in the book, I said, picture being out in your laptop in a hailstorm because that's what it felt like. But the sun was breaking through and I had absolute clarity about what God wanted me to write. And I just like, if I could just press through physically, I know I will prevail spiritually. And that's where this book came from. And I, I love how it turned out. That's so. beautiful. Well, I read it on the plane and I just couldn't put it down. It's that good. But our individual battles are indeed real. Susie, just like you are a testament to, just like what you said, what you've been through. Um, but I'm just curious, why do you think it is that people, you know, they quote unquote, they know Jesus, they, they know he's won the war, but so many, um, they just want to DIY the attacks. Let's talk about that. You know, I think because we don't know him. We say we know him, you know, but if you knew him, you'd trust him. And, you know, I, this is coming from someone who's walked with him a long time and had all kinds of trust issues. You know, I can trust him over here, but it's crickets over here. So, you know, you I don't compartmentalized where you trusted. Exactly. I mean, I think everybody, if they're honest, can say, I see fruit over here. I see breakthrough over here. 
But here is where you're silent. And so here is where we take things into our own hands. And as you said, when we do that, it's typically catastrophic. And we just read some of the stories in scripture. But, you know, I stumbled on a nugget in Jeremiah 17. I mean, I, I've meditated on 17.7 for a long time. <laughs> Excuse me. In the, in the verses, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. The roots go down into the stream. And it says they're not bothered by long months of drought. They don't fear the heat. Their leaves are always green and they continue to bear fruit. Well, I've meditated on that a long time because it's like when you're tapped into the power of the presence of the Lord, when you when your soil goes down, you know, your roots go down deep into the soil of his love, you will bear fruit in and out of season. You, you, you when, when there's a drought everywhere else, your leaves are green. That's a superpower yes. because you're tapping into the spirit. But what I found uh, recently, well, about a year or two ago, that just struck me with verse six, it says, cursed are those who trust in man. And it says they're like a stunted shrub in a desert. And the original translation is closest to the New King James Version of this verse six. And it says, they will not see goodness when it comes. Now, I want you to think about that in your areas where there's crickets, in your areas where you don't. And we see evidence of this in scripture. So we're not alone in our temptation to take matters into our own hands. But if you are trusting in man's systems, if you're so um, even taken with what's happening in the world today to the point where you're where the bad news is upstaging the good news, you're trusting in man and you're going to you're either growing or you're dying. And yes. so your faith is shriveling and you're like a stunted shrub in the desert and you don't see goodness when it comes. And there's other places in scripture where God says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? Which means you might miss it. Because it's, it's, they're nuanced, you know, but when you are tapped into the power and the presence of God and you've got life flowing in and out of you, you're going to go, oh, there's a wind. There's a fifth size cloud. There's a little sprout. And we've got to get good at celebrating the winds and the sprouts of life and the fifth size clouds because they're everywhere. But we're going to miss goodness when we are looking um, and we're living by what our eyes see. So I think that's why we take matters into our own hands. So when you're in a season or you have an area of life of where it's crickets, this is an invitation for you to trust him and to get to know him more. Amen. Oh my gosh, I love that. And and especially to be, um, to have those scales removed and to start seeing, to see what's really going on and, and not have... Um, I guess, you know, media uh, all around dictate what you need to be seeing, right? Yes. We need to just yep. see uh, from our Heavenly Father what's going on. Now, one of the um, chapters you you write, you know, whose side are you on? Stay teachable. And mm -hmm. I, I think about that because it's one of the chapters that uh, spoke to me a little bit um, because, yeah, the humble will, will prevail and you got to stay teachable, which can be humbling sometimes. And it says right here, it says, our goal is not to become powerful, but to become holy with Christ's presence. God promises to empower that which he first makes holy. And then it says a mature Christian will be both holy and powerful, but holiness will precede power. And I think so often people want to have that DIY, that power of, of, um, oh, I don't know. It's just so fleshly is all I can say. It's just so <laughs> flesh. And when you understand that the two go together and that holiness proceeds, wow, it's like, duh. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, how do we stay teachable? Because, um, I think so often we, we stay in a, a place of, 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 I got this. I got this. I don't, I don't need to be taught. So let's talk a little bit about that in terms of, of how I guess humans are wired. 
I mean, first of all, that that is a quote from Francis Frangipane. He's the retired pastor, what you just quoted, and it comes out of his book, Holiness, Truth, and the Presence of God. Mm-hmm. And he really shaped my thinking in my early years uh, because nobody talked that I could see in my early years of Christianity about Christ-like love, about holiness, about unoffendability. unoffendability. So yeah, that is powerful. But in that, whose side are you on? There's, I was just so struck by the story of Joshua. Joshua 1 8, you know, the Lord is with you. Be strong, be courageous. He's with you wherever you go. And yet, a little bit later, he comes across this man in his path with a sword. And he's like, Are you a friend or a foe? I'm so impressed by Joshua, the courage, the grit. Oh, I'm like, I want to have the grit of Joshua, you know? Me too. <laughs> so I want to face off. You know, it's like, you know, the tendency would be to run and hide or, or to react and, and fight. But he's like, He's, the, you know, are you a friend or foe? And it's interesting. He says, Neither. He says, I'm, and I'm a commander in the, in the Lord's armies. And, you know, it's so interesting because God had just said, I'm with you, Josh, be Josh, Josh, I'm with you, Josh. Be no, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we're on a, you know, a person. Oh, you basis, are. Sure you are. You know, right, right. But, you know, it's interesting because the Lord knew that Joshua's heart was fully devoted. But but what Joshua didn't know was some of his people were hiding idols in their tents. Right. And what this angel was really confronting, saying, you know, the Lord might be on your side, but are you on the Lord's side? And it was, you know, he said, take off your shoes. And this was like a moment where it, where he had to really reckon with the fear of the Lord. And there's a number of instances in scripture where we are like charged. Don't get so confident in yourself that you Stop depending on and fearing and revering the Lord. And and Wendy, we're in such a day, and I know you see this too. I've never seen it in my lifetime, even among Christians, which is so sad to me, where they're asking where you are at on certain topics of the day in order to validate or vilify you. They're not asking you so they can get to know you better. Tell me how you come upon that. There, It's like you're guilty. It's ready, shoot, and then aim. And mm. it breaks God's heart because Jesus is coming for a pure, spotless, united bride. And when we are in such a posture that we're deciding who's in and who's out, you know, I mean, based on some current topics, it just is so heartbreaking to me. So we're so used to saying, you know, I'm the right one. And I want to find out if you're right. And the question here is, God is for us, but are we for him? Are we on his side? And, and how do we discern that? It's like, are we walking in the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. And humility always precedes honor. And even in scripture, we see stories of people who want to buy the power, who want to pretend that they have power. And I think it's so interesting how uh, you know Jesus talked about people who cast out demons in his name. So they had some kind of power in their lives. He's like, I never knew you. So to, to you know, to have power precede holiness is always, I think, a dangerous recipe. Yeah, absolutely, Susie. And um, and you also talk about in here, of course, and that, that God perpetually distances himself from the proud and draws near to those uh, and empowers the humble. And so I think, you know, people don't really realize you, you're causing a wedge, you're causing a distance between you and your creator when you're coming full of pride and and that I'm right and and righteous. It just it's 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 just a Oh, it's it's yeah. so heartbreaking is what it, it is, is, right? Very and none much. of us are immune. We all have our moments. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm better or you're better. We all have our, our moments, but we we have to have the scales fall off our eyes and to have understanding and compassion and and not have a critical judgmental spirit. And I think yeah. that that's what we're seeing so much bubble up to, don't you yeah, think? So heartbreaking, yes. And I remember uh, Ruth Graham 
uh, said of Billy Graham, the, the late great Billy Graham, she said, it's my job to love Billy. It's God's job to make him good. And I, <laughs> you know, if we could treat each other that way because yes. you just don't know what you don't know. You don't see the heart and you can discern the fruit, but you can't judge what's going on in the heart of a man. You just, God knows who's, I always say heaven knows who's who in the zoo. God knows who are his and he knows how to separate those whose hearts are bent towards him and those who aren't. And we're going to be surprised on that great day when heaven reveals who God's children are. I think we're going to be pretty surprised at who's in and who's not, right? Oh, and so you can't too. always base things on what your eyes see. But I feel like every time you come upon a situation to judge and assess and assign motive as if you think you know, that is a test of your obedience before the Lord. Because Paul himself said, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And we got to fear God enough to say, you're going to do what you're going to do, but I'm going to fear God. He will defend. He will vindicate me. And then you can't do that unless you know him. But you get to know his character. The, the more you get to know his character, I would say, the wider the gap becomes between how man affects you and how God affects you, where the fear of man starts to diminish. And I would say you can't love men or women. I mean, you can't love people if you don't know the love of the Lord for yourself. You know, if, if you need their opinion and approval more than you care about their soul, you are putting yourself in captivity and you're not in a position to help and move the kingdom purposes forward. So one way or another, the Lord's going to allow you to be delivered from the fear of man so that you can love men well and you can serve God well. I think that is um, such a good word, Susie, especially in this day and time of of people wanting that that validation. I mean, you see it on social media, you see it everywhere because um, it's it's easier to get man's, um, you know, likes or loves or, or, you know, thumbs down or whatever you just, you, you, people want to be accepted. They want to be loved. And, and yet we're reaching to man for the love as opposed to looking up and, and going yep. to God for, for the love and the validation. So, um, well, okay. So here's, here's a question. It seems, I think oftentimes that people ignore and they dismiss the realities of what is really happening in the world, um, on a spiritual level by keeping their head in the sand. And quite frankly, I, th I think it's because it can feel overwhelming, um, and exhausting to even acknowledge the realities. Um, but acknowledging, I think, you know, it, once you acknowledge what's going on, it means that something must be done. So that's, that means there's work that's going to be involved, um, including prayer work. And so how would you encourage someone to stay engaged and stay fierce in the battle to rise up as God is called? Because I think, especially in this time, I see a lot of people rising up, but I also see a lot of people shrinking back. So what would you say for those that are shrinking back and just sticking their head in the sand how, to get them to rise up and stay fierce and, and, and do the work? I guess I'd like to speak to both situations because yeah. I feel like there are two unhealthy extremes in uh, our response to culture. One That's is to shake their fist at the darkness, right? And, and some think they're being fierce by shaking their fist at the darkness. But but if you give all that you have away to the poor and you throw your body on the flames because you're just so you know distraught over the culture yeah. and you have no love in your heart, you're adding to the noise. You know, I used to tell my boys when they were growing up, if you have to let go of love to hang on to your cause, you've lost your way. You've lost your voice and your credibility. So shaking your fist and even having a passionate response to unrighteous behavior is not the same 
is making a difference on the earth today. So that's one. And the other is entertaining yourself to death, burying your head in the sand, because the bad news seems way more powerful than the good news. And I would ask both of these camps to come to the center, to to listen to Jesus' words, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And the more that we get to know him, the more we realize we each carry a portion of God's burden in our hearts. We don't have to do it all. We don't have to be it all. We don't have to accomplish everything. But his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So even while the nations are in chaos. You know, Wendy, I need to speak this to so many people who are feeling so overwhelmed. And this is one of the motivators for burying their heads in the sand. They have a lot of crisis going on in their own lives, their health, their prodigals, their marriage, their finances. And then they listen to the news. So they are playing not to lose. You know, they're cowering and you can understand it because I know full well what that's like. But this is one of the reasons I want you to seek out the Lord and the goodness and and declare that you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, in your own personal world. Because as you start to remember that even though the nations are in chaos, he's well able to restore your soul. He's well able to go to your daughter's soccer game. He's well able to bring your prodigal home and save your marriage and restore your business. And the thing is, these things, when they get away from us, and again, we start to cover our heads, we forget who we are. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. But when we come back in and go, you know what? I serve the God of the breakthrough. I'm a child of God. You don't get to keep stealing from me. And you put your flag in the ground and start contending on your in your own territory in the places where the enemy's robbing you. And then you start to see breakthrough and then hope rises up and then a new fierceness rises up. And then you've got a greater capacity for the bigger story. You know, if you think about like Hannah, you know, she she had this. Oh, that's one of my stories I've oh, written I about. Hannah, yes. I know. <laughs> but it's like here she's barren. Her husband loves her. And she's loved, but she feels cursed because she's barren. And then so he gets his extra wife, which I have all kinds of opinions about this. But he gets his <laughs> extra wife, Hananiah, and she's having all these babies. She's spitting them out like a pen dispenser. And, uh, <laughs> and what does she do? She rubs Hannah's face in it. So I want you to imagine Hannah being barren, heartbroken. And then this woman, his extra wife, rubbing her face, you know, in it, in her loss. And she was reduced to tears. But then one day she she runs to the temple to cry out to God. This is exactly what we're to do, to run into his presence, to cry out to God. And Eli's in there in the temple. And he's this high priest and she's crying out and he accuses her of being drunk. What are you drinking? I mean, the woman can't catch a break, but I will say Eli's own sons were drinking in the temple. So this was Eli's pain filter. is, And this is what happens. If you don't deal with your own personal pain filters and, and the stuff in your own camp, your your perspective is going to be skewed all the way. And so, so he did, good, he his daughter through his son's pain, right? And she was humble enough to say, oh, no, sir. No, no, I've not been drinking. But she's, I'm crying out to God for the child. He says in a year, this will happen. This is my very fast paraphrase. But Dr. Jack Hayford said the best thing about this story. He said, Hannah could not know that her intercession was in sync with his heart for Israel because barren wasn't just, barrenness wasn't just her condition, but Israel's condition as well. And just as she was crying out for a child, the, the, the nation of Israel needed a prophet and her child would end up being the greatest prophet of all time. And so he said she was praying in concert with God's will. And I love that so much. I really unpacked that in my book, Your Powerful Prayers. All of that to say, if you could 
take yourself out of the small story and put yourself in the big story to say, even my prodigal or even my marriage or even this impossible stepchild or whatever, you know, the enemy wants to single me out and make me feel like I'm I'm the only one and I'm defective. But God is saying, don't you dare be singled out. You stand in rank and say, when you come against me, you come against the armies of the living God. So I'm not only going to pray for my prodigal, I'm going to pray for every prodigal, or I'm not only going to pray for my marriage, but every marriage. And to me, that's how you get your strength back. As you start to contend in your circle, when you start to get hope that rises up, that's when people are going to ask about the hope that's within you. If they don't see any hope on you, why are they going to ask about any hope within you? But, what you know, it's like David coming to face Goliath. You know, the, the soldiers were cowering. Saul was cowering. And David is the one who said, who's this Philistine that dares defy the armies of the living God? Even though he was getting personal insults thrown at him from this Goliath. He didn't even think to take it personally. He said, well, I fought the lion. I fought the bear. I'm ready for this right now. And if you can look at your history saying, I've had victories. I'm still standing. Yes, the enemy tried to take me out, but I'm still standing because I served the God of the breakthrough. So I will see him be faithful again. And as you start to stand, like I said, in your space, and you start to see some of the victories, you're going to get an appetite for victory. And that's what God wants for us. Ooh, I love that, Susie. Yes, <laughs> you do. And and it creates a, a the ripple effect. Like you said, that hope comes up and then people see it in you and they see the Jesus in you and they're like, I want some of that. Yeah. And so that's, it starts to shape, shape nations, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I just, I, I love it and it's powerful. And I think, like you said, people need to realize who they are in Christ and that they do have the mind of Christ. Stop acting like you don't or thinking the way the enemy wants you to stay stuck and, um, and start living it, living it out, rising up and, and, and as God has called and, and you've kind of already, um, answered this, but one of the things I was going to talk about is, is trust, right? Cause so many people are coming from a place of past trauma, abuse, deception, even within some of the church circles, right? Deception, loss, illness, all the things. And they just think I, I cannot trust anyone. Um, and so therefore they're just not even putting their trust in God. And so how, how, what were some steps that maybe you would even guide someone with on, on how to trust, how to trust yeah. again? You know, I mean, again, as someone who's walked through trauma and some hardship, trust really was hard for me. But when I started to realize that, you know, he deserves my trust. And so there were times it's like my emotions didn't want to trust. My logic didn't want me to trust. And when you're thinking about when you have, I mean, neurological diseases are super scary and it's like they can feel like they can spin off at any time into something that's totally debilitating. And you can't Terrifying. physically see it. You know, yeah, it's not right. like, you know, something gone wrong with your arm or whatever. You yes. can't see it. You can just. Right. Yes. It. So you're talking with someone and your face is going numb and then your eyes start to do these weird things. Yeah. My neck goes numb. And it's like so distracting and so, uh, so troubling. And all that to say, there just had to be a point where I'm like, do I? just trust him for eternity or do I trust him in my battles? Because he's so much more than a ticket to heaven. And I will tell you, I realized my trust was an offering. It's an offering to him. He deserves it. And there were just times I took sides against myself going, I don't care if all the forces in hell are fashioned against me or all these symptoms are, you know, in my face, literally he's been faithful and he's going to be faithful again. And every single time I've latched onto trust He's proven faithful. And one of the passages I've gone back to again and again, it's from Psalm 126. I don't remember the verse, but it says, he who sows in tears will reap with shouts of joy. They weep as they plant their seed, but they return laughing 
with arms full of harvest. And that I'm telling you so many times where I'm like, I, everything else seems to be falling apart, but I have a seed. I have the word of God and the seed always demands a harvest. And so I can't maybe do everything that anybody else can do, but I can plant the seed. I can pull the weeds. And the thing is, when you water it with your tears, the seed demands the harvest. And if this helped me a lot, um, and maybe this will help somebody else, but you know, there was a time and I wrote about this in Strong in Battle where I was just so hurt that God wouldn't heal me, you know, that it was taking so long. I really was. I love him. I worshiped him, you know, but I was disappointed. Were you kind of angry? I, I was hurt, you know. I fear him enough that I didn't dare shake my fist at him, but I was just hurt. And um, and I had Alan Jackson on the show, and he's an amazing preacher, not the country western singer, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> preacher not. and he was talking about wavering between two opinions. And I write the story in the book and I, I love this story, but there was a point once I got off the air, I just went face down and like, Oh Lord, you know, because he's the question is how long will you waver between two opinions? You know? And I, and the Lord brought to mind John the Baptist, you know, Jesus says no greater man born to woman than John the Baptist. This is Jesus cousin. He's the one who prepared the way he's the one who baptized Jesus. But when he was away from the action in prison, he sent his men to ask Jesus, are you the Christ? Or should we be waiting for someone else, looking for someone else? And Jesus' answer was filled with caution and conviction because he said to tell John the lame leap, you know, the blind see. So the supernatural is still in play. But blessed are those who are not offended by me. And I think when you're in a place of obscurity, when you're really more identified with your trial and you're on the loop of, of mistrust, of trauma, of how long you've been in the valley, uh, the temptation is to get offended with God. The temptation is to think he's no longer a miracle working God, or if he is, I'm a have not. But you need to know there are no have nots in the kingdom except for those who have faith and those who don't, right? And for me, the work of my heart was to get myself unoffended and to keep my heart tender before him. Because if he makes you wait, it's because he's making you ready. You know, it's just, it's just true. He's a good God and he leads us into triumph. And so the more that I just kept myself positioned on the path of his promise to say, Lord, you are who you say you are. You're always going to do what you say you're going to do. My work is to keep my heart tender and humble before you. And yours is to be faithful. And I know you will be. That's what made all the difference in just keeping my heart positioned before him. All right. This is so good, Susie. Now, what would you say to the person? I mean, I know we kind of tapped in this a minute ago, but what would you say to the person? This is, okay, that's great. All good and fine for you, Susie. You know, I know you've been through it, but you don't know what I've been through. I mean, the past trauma is is serious and the abuse and the deception, even within some small church circles, right? Uh, the loss, the illness. I just can't trust anyone. I'm not sure how to trust. What would you say to that person? Well, I so understand. I very much, and I've written a number of books around, you know, different, not only trauma, but betrayal and those kinds of things. And there gets to be a point where all of that can be leveraged for you to trust God more, because we all have built in us a fear of man and an expectation of man, where we put way more weight on men and the words of men than we do the words of God. And there are times where he allows certain things through his fingertips to, for us to endure, really to shape us into his likeness. But we are the ones who really get to decide, are we going to allow this to shape us into his glory or make us bitter? I mean, I've met people who've had, you know, small T traumas, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, judging minimizing, or, yeah, minimizing yeah. at all but you know maybe let's say uh their pastor looked at them funny and they never really inquired about it but they got an offense and left the church and that kind of a thing without really speaking out maybe he was having a bad day where i've seen others who've had horrific abuse but they were just 
so determined to see God redeem it that he did. And he went on to use them in incredible ways. You know, he's no respecter of persons and he intends to use us in ways that are disproportionate to who we are. But what I've learned is my trust is an offering of worship. And there was a time for me um, a couple of years ago, well, about a year and a half ago, when I was walking through that surge, the neurological surge, and it was it was a walk through hell, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. There, in the middle of the night, my heart started to beat out of my chest irregularly. The numbing would shoot up my neck and into my jaw and feel like a stroke. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to keep cab up, so I'd walk the floor down here and pace all night long and quote scripture. And I, I was so wrung out by the morning. I literally had said, you got to kill me or heal me because I don't have the mental bandwidth to, conti- to continue on this way. But I remember going face down before the Lord. And he brought to mind the John the Baptist story. And, you know, Jesus says, no greater man born to woman than John the Baptist. This is Jesus' cousin. This is the one who said, prepare the way. This is the one who baptized Jesus. But when John was in prison uh, for his testimony, he was out in obscurity away from the action. And this is where John starts to doubt his own cousin, doubt even his own past experiences. And isn't that what the enemy tries to do? If you go a long enough time between, you know, a mountaintop with God and what you're experiencing now, that's when the enemy gets in there. Is he really? Did God really say? So John sends his, his followers to ask Jesus, are you the Christ or should we be looking for someone else? And Jesus' answer is so filled with uh, conviction and compassion. He says, go tell John that the lame leap. The, the blind see, the deaf get their, their hearing back, but blessed are those who are not offended with me. And this is what's really important is when you're in a season of obscurity, when you're in a season where it seems like it's happening for everybody but you, you have an opportunity to trust God or to get offended with God. And though I, I wouldn't say that I was angry at God, I was hurt by God. I loved him. I served him. I worshiped him. I enjoyed my time in the word, but in deep inside, I was hurt. Just it's been, you know, disappointed, you know, just it's been over three decades of daily symptoms. And and then as a public person, I've had people say things to me like, you know, you're a leader at this level and you're still not healed. I mean, where's your faith? Wow. And, you know, wow, he's right. I mean, and I, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, you know, I've tried, I've named it, claimed it, fasted it, prayed it. And, it, you know, but what I know, there's not always a straight line. Most times there's not a straight line A to B when it comes to healing and wholeness and redemption. And, and so for me, I realized that was my work was to deal with my heart, that that God's going to answer my prayers. He's going to be faithful to his word. He will be faithful to his word. So I had to uproot the seeds. I mean, the weeds of, of fear, of disappointment, of worry. And then I had to plant the seeds of his word to say, you are faithful to your word. The seed always demands a harvest. And when a seed goes into fertile soil, it can produce 30, 60 to 100 times what is planted. And I don't remember if I mentioned this, my last question with you, but one of my go-to passages is Psalm 126. He sows in tears, will reap with shouts of joy. They weep as they plant with their seed, but they return with laughter in their heart and a harvest in their arms. And that has proven true in my life over and over again. But we are going to walk through those times in between when the seed is still underground. There's no evidence of God's movement in your life. And just because there's no evidence that you can see, it doesn't mean it's not happening. So much of his great movement happens out of the visible eye for a time. That's why our faith matters so much. We don't keep digging up the seed to see if he's faithful. We get to know the character of God to say, I know him. And because I know him, I know that he's doing a great work in me. So that's what I would say. If you are have had a lot of trauma, I want to say this carefully too, but there's a day of account. There's a day where you'll face God 
and give an account. What did you do with time, treasure, and talents? And to say, well, I, I lived in constant fear, or I lived, I didn't, I couldn't trust you. You'll have to own that. And and you know, the the less you trust him, the less fruit there will be in your life. And and you're you're appointed to live on this earth for such a time as this. And the truth is you have a call on your life that's bigger than you are. But there are believers who live their whole lives knowing they're saved, but they don't know they're loved. They're they're not contending with the promises and they're still going to go to heaven. But on that day of account, they're going to be have very little to show for it. Scripture is very clear about that. And I don't want that for anybody. I want us to see that every trial, every blessing, every battle is filled with eternal implications. And I mean, squeeze the life out of it because you'll be glad you'll be changed. Others will be changed and the kingdom will move forward. That's such a good word, Susie. Thank you. Yes, because that's how we fight our battles is is living um, in a place of great expectation and looking to him. But um, um, yeah, rising up into who we really are in Christ and, and not to be stuck in that place of doubt and fear and the place where the enemy wants to keep us. So, um, yeah, this is such a time, uh, for us to be living in, in, um, great expectancy, but also with great courage. And no matter how long the season has been, like you, you've had a long season, it's God's timing, not ours. So we just get to continue to worship him and praise him. And that's some of the most beautiful moments is when we are, are praising him in our time in the Valley. So I I love who you are as a person. I love your faith. Your faith is contagious. Your hope is contagious. And that is how we should all be. And I'm not saying that you're perfect, but you are in, in, in just such a great mentor and role model in that sense, because you have, you've done the reps, you've been through it, and it is very contagious. And so you've given a lot of godly counsel and wisdom over the years. But I'm just curious, what has been the best piece of advice or wisdom that has been given to you? I think it maybe is a culmination of just, you know, walking with God, but I, I would say intimacy with God is everything. You know, having worked in radio for over 16 years and interviewing some really great leaders who had a big rise and then a big crash, who would say later, I got so busy working for God, I stopped walking with God. You know, he's not, you know, he's not a means to an end. He's the beginning and the end. And anything that you would want from his hand pales in comparison to knowing his heart. I mean, he is our greatest gift. And if you are in Christ, you already have him. And, And the power of Christ, the risen Christ is alive in you. I think getting, spending your whole life getting to know him, you will start to really believe goodness and mercy do chase after you. They do. And as one of my prayer partners said on this several months ago, unless you have the mindset that goodness and mercy is chasing after you, it proves and it shows that something in you needs to be healed and something in your agreement needs to come out of alignment with the things of the world and into alignment heaven because goodness and mercy chase after you. And the more that you become aware of the goodness of God, the more you're going to trust. He has no rival. He's on his throne. And Graham Lott said on my show a few times, things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. And you know, for the believer, it's going to be hard for a little while, but life on earth is short. Eternity is long. And it's going to be amazing when we get to see Jesus face to face. But I really do believe there may be this flicker of a moment when we see Jesus and we realize Wow, you mean my offerings you multiplied a million times over when I sowed seeds of kindness, when I sowed seeds of courage, when I gave to kingdom causes, you took that, you breathed on it and multiplied it. There's going to be this briefest moment, I think, that we wished we trusted him more and took him at his word. And I I just, that's what gets me out of bed every day. If we could be mobilized to trust him and to live like his promises are true, I just think we won't be sorry, you know? 
Such a good word. Such a good word. May that uh, impart in your spirit as you're listening to this interview that that uh, we go and give more of ourselves in kindness and uh, and, and boldness and, and courage and all the things that, that God has for us uh, to rise up in the season. Um, get your book today, Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail by Susie Larson. Go to susielarson.com or get this uh, online. But it is a, a book that you must read. And it is also great for uh, Bible studies. Oh my goodness, you have incredible questions at the end. Uh, you, you, I mean, prayer. I mean, it's just chocked full of great nuggets and wisdom. So thank you, Susie, for, for being um, courageous in writing this and always standing on his truth because that is um, your how you fight your battles. And that's how we should all fight our battles with his words. So thank you so much for being a part of Visibly Fit today. I adore you and I cherish you. Thank you. The feeling's mutual, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right. Blessings. Take care. Thank you. All right. Well, we just um, hope you enjoyed this episode of Visibly Fit. Um, Susie is the real deal. She is amazing, as you can tell, and she fights her battle with God's truth. And that's how we rise up in knowing who we are in Christ. And so Visibly Fit is about being fit, mind, body, and spirit. So how are you fueling your spirit? How are you rising up and becoming more like Christ and becoming more uh, in, in, in alignment with his character? Um you know him by reading his word. And so get close, get intimate and fight your battles in a strong way, strong in battle with his word and in a humble, humble way, because the humble will prevail. Again, go to suzylarson.com to check that out or um, Amazon or other bookstores and you will get your book uh, coming out really soon here. Um, but thank you again. And if you are in a, in a place where you're like, I, I just, I just need some help. I need some direction. Um, that's what I do with Visibly Fit. If you are interested, go to getvisiblyfit.com. I'll assist you, coach you, get you to your next level of living in mind, body, and spirit. But until next time, I appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Visibly Fit. Please share with your friends, your family members, um, because I know this episode um, was a blessing to you and we want to bless others. So again, thank you so much and we'll catch you next time right here on Visibly Fit. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. So thank you so much for tuning in. I love spending this time with you. To learn more and get more free resources, just head on over to wendypet.com. And thank you in advance for sharing this episode and this podcast, following and subscribing, not only to this podcast, but finding me on social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are, I'm probably there too. Until next week in our next podcast time together, make it a visibly fit day.